The psalmist says, make a joyful noise, all the earth. Would you all please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. I am utterly convinced that the days between Thanksgiving and Christmas Eve are the noisiest days every year. There's the noise of scratching together the proper shopping list, the boxes being dragged down from the attic, kids screaming in the car on their way to their grandparents' house, the extra services we have at church, and the boxing out of other people to get that perfect Christmas present at the mall. And right at the beginning of this noisy time, this time of frenetic and frantic panic, we have today Christ the King Sunday. Like many days throughout the liturgical year, this one has special focus and significance for us. However, Christ the King Sunday is a more recent addition to the liturgical calendar. Whereas Christians have celebrated the likes of Monday Thursday and Pentecost for a very, very long time, Christ the King was only established as an official day in the year 1925. It took the church nearly 1,900 years to need this day the way we still need it now. In 1925, Mussolini had been in charge of Italy for three years. A loud insurrectionist in Germany named Hitler had been out of jail for a year, and his Nazi party was growing rapidly in power. And the entire world was suffering under the weight of a Great Depression. Yet despite the rise of autocratic dictators... Despite the lack of economic opportunities, despite the strange and uncomfortable silence between World War I and World War II, Christ the King asserted, and it still does, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus the Christ is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Jesus the Christ is the one to whom we owe ultimate allegiance. This psalm and this day are a reminder of our first and our primary allegiance to the Lord. The psalmist says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord with glad and with generous hearts. Come into the presence of God and sing your hearts out. Know that the Lord is God. The Lord made us and we belong to him. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. With every breath, give thanks to God on high and bless the name of the Lord because God is good. And his steadfast love endures forever and ever and ever. We praise and we sing with joy because God in Christ is the good shepherd of our lives. We can jump to our feet and praise the Lord with our hands in the air because God has done so much for us. But if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes it feels even harder to praise God at this time of year. For some of us, all the decorations, all the songs, they don't hold the joy they once did. Rather than hopeful in expectation, we fear, we're fearful in deliberation. Instead of thinking about all that God has done for us, all we think about is everything we still have left to do. And instead of praising God with a joyful noise, we can barely hear God among all the other sounds of this season. But the psalmist has a joy for the Lord that cannot be contained. It is a joy that has to be shouted from the rooftops of life. But most of us, we don't want to sing to God in public. 
In fact, we don't want to be construed as the kind of people who sing to God in public. Christ the King Sunday, this last day in our year, it prepares us for Advent, that season of waiting for Jesus, a season of joy. But it's ironic because many churches do not look like a congregation filled with people making a joyful noise to the Lord. Instead, most churches, they're filled with people singing along, looking slightly bored. Heaven forbid, falling asleep in one of the front pews. But thanks be to God that this church is not like other churches. Last Sunday, in the middle of the 8.30 service, our sound system, just like it popped a second ago, decided to no longer cooperate when it was time to sing our final hymn, I am thine, O Lord. I have heard thy voice. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord. The whole service had built up to this hymn. It was going to be our last great chance to respond to God's love with the singing together in one voice. And as soon as it didn't work, I reluctantly sighed, knowing we were going to have to sing it a cappella, that it wasn't going to be as good as it could have been. And so I grabbed the hymnal and I stood here in front of the altar. I said, okay, friends, here we go again. And then Gloria had the nerve to raise her hand in the choir say, um, Pastor, I know how to play that one on the piano. <laughs> no, I said, well, get over there and play it. <laughs> Friends, I don't know if we've ever sounded more joyful than when we were doing that hymn last week. And even at this service, at the 11 o'clock service, when I knew ahead of time that she was going to play it for us, I ran over to the drums, I flicked my dress behind me, and I jammed. And we were all singing and clapping and praising the Lord. It was a shot of joy to the arm of this church. It was a reminder for you and for me that God is good. But it somehow forced us to also ask ourselves another question. Because how can we be so joyful when it feels like everything is falling apart in the world? It is great when we can leave church on that high when we've been praising God together, but then we get into our cars and we drive home and we get cut off on Route 1. It all disappears. <laughs> How can we stay joyful when it seems like everything is falling apart? I mean, think about a new widower attending church on a Sunday morning. He hears those familiar words of Christmas hymns, but instead of being transported back to memories of the past, all he can think about is the now empty spot next to him in the pew. Or think about when a mother goes to the store to purchase her Christmas presents. And she goes not with the excitement of how the kids will react, but with the fear of how in the world will the family pay for all of this stuff. Or think about the refugee woman who hears the similarities between her life and Mary's, the mother of the Lord, and she cowers in fear upon returning home, wondering if she will be caught and shipped back to her home country. The kind of joy that the psalmist sings about, it's not a surface-level, temporary experience. It's not laughing at someone snoring in church on Sunday morning. The joy of the Lord comes because God is still God, even when the world feels like it's falling apart. The joy of the Lord comes because we are still God's people, even when we feel like we're all alone. The joy of the Lord comes because Jesus Christ is king, even when it feels like other people are trying to determine what happens in this world. When we feel the struggle of making a joyful noise amidst all the other sounds, particularly during this time of year, 
we fall back on God's great gift of music. Because music is that magnificent agent that calls us out of whatever we're going through. It delivers us so that we can sing with the angelic heavenly choir. Music transforms our hearts and our minds such that we can do that wonderful thing of making a joyful noise to the Lord. A couple summers back, I was tasked with leading a mission trip down to Raleigh, North Carolina. We had spent months planning it together. We took youth from all over the Shenandoah Valley. We drove down to Raleigh, and I was in charge of a group of high schoolers for whom almost none of them had ever been on a mission trip before, and they were so excited. If you've ever been on a mission trip before, you know that there's all kinds of things you can do. You can paint walls. You can build steps. I think every mission trip I've been on, we had to build a wheelchair ramp, just sort of a popular thing. And these kids were so excited, some of them even went out and bought their own hammers, hopeful that they would get at least one nail to hammer through some wood. And so when we got there, and my group got their assignment, they all were so disappointed when we found out that we would spend our week at the Hillcrest Nursing Center. One of the kids said, but Pastor Taylor, that's where the old people are. I said, they're not old, they're seasoned, there's a difference. He said, there ain't no difference between being seasoned and old, they're old. I came here to hammer some nails. I said, no, you came here to serve Jesus. So every morning I loaded these high schoolers into my van, and I drove us to the Hillcrest Nursing Center. On the first day we got there, we found out we were going to be in charge of the activity room. The activity room was probably about half the size of our sanctuary, and it was where every resident would be rolled in once a day for an activity. And when we got there, we had no instruction, and being the adult, I felt like I could come up with something. So they wheeled that first group in. I said, hey, how about we play some bingo? We gave out the cards and the little tokens, and we got that cage that we rolled around with all the bingo things on the inside, and they hated it. Not the kids, the residents. They hated bingo. And you know why they hated bingo? Because they played bingo three times a day every day for the last 30 years. So I said, okay, let's try something else. We got rid of all the bingo cards and all the tokens. I said, let's do some exercise. You know, let's move our arms, let's jive in our wheelchairs and in our seats. And I thought, surely Michael Jackson can deliver us from this moment. So I went over, I put on to Michael Jackson because, friends, if you can't move to Michael Jackson, you ain't ever going to move. <laughs> and those people stayed right where they <laughs> And honestly, it, it just it broke my heart. It really broke my heart for the kids. These youth were given a week of their time to try to serve other people. And they went into this room, and it was like we weren't even there. The residents just kept staring off into space, not interacting with any of us. That was just terrible. And without really thinking about what I was doing, I saw a hymnal on a shelf, and I went and I took it out. And I flipped to the number I know the best of all. I stood in the middle of the room and I did this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. The kids that I brought on the trip they had been coming to the church I served almost every Sunday their whole life. They knew the song. 
And so without forcing them or telling them what to do, they all joined me in the middle of the room. And they started singing with me. Was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. Those residents who have been staring off in the space were now looking at me and the youth standing in the center of the room. All of their attention were fixed on us. <coughs> Through many dangers, toils, and sins, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. And inexplicably almost, the workers of the institution found their way to our doorway because they could hear me and the other youth singing these words. They were drawn to it. They gathered into the room and they started to surround all the residents that they had been serving for years. And some of them started to join us. The Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion long as life endures. <clears throat> the residents started to sway ever so slightly. Some of them started to open their mouth and mouth along these words that they heard again and again and again. Yea, when this flesh and heart shall fail and mortal life shall cease, I shall They said, don't stop, keep singing, we want another one. <laughs> and so I flipped in the hymnal, we sang softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. We sang, he lives, joy to the world, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And we ended with victory in Jesus. It was without a doubt one of the most profoundly powerful moments of my entire life. Because those who were lost had been found in the music. Those who were no longer interacting with anyone were found by making a joyful noise to the Lord. And friends, we get the privilege of doing that every week that we gather in this place. And it's more than the hymns we sing. When we all say the Lord's Prayer together, just as Jesus taught his disciples, when I close my mouth for a second and I hear you all utter those words that have been said for thousands of years, it sends a shiver up my spine. When our choir is proclaiming their anthem, and I look out at you and I see you swaying back and forth, 
when I hear the amens and the clapping that happens after they make a joyful noise to the Lord, my heart flutters inside of my chest. Even while I'm praying, I always open my eyes before I say that final amen just to get a glimpse of you. And when I see you with your tightly clenched eyes and your hands together, I feel God's presence in this place. And I am filled with joy. You know, even the sounds that drive us crazy, the shuffling around of bulletins from my ladies in the back pew, <laughs> or a toddler like my kid crying from his pew, or a kid cackling up there, going up the stairs to children's church. These are joyful sounds. They are joyful because they are a reminder of God's wonderful majesty and mystery. They are a reminder that God still has work for us to do. They are a reminder that Jesus the Christ unites us in a way that nothing else on this earth can. We worship the King of Kings, Jesus the Christ. We can come into this place with gladness and singing because of all that God has done for us. And in response to what God has done, we can make a joyful noise. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Amen. Amen.